welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. You know, we're still on a year of really understanding the vastness of what God has given to us. Like it's really, it's really indescribable, unbelievable. It's, it is, did you know it says in the Bible that we will spend all of eternity and never exalt, exhaust the greatness of who God is. So just think about your short stint here of probably less than a hundred years compared to eternity. And so think about all that you're trying now to even understand about him and how mind blowing he is now. Do you find him mind blowing? Do you find him getting better and better? I remember when I was a kid, they would say he just gets better and better, but that no one acted like he was better. I had to take my shoes off because you told me to, little prophet over there. So don't put your shoes on yet. We're not ready to get them on yet. We were the only ones that were really obedient, though. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But he talked about, Bill talked about a scripture that I wanted to start with today, and it's in Psalm 119, verse 111. So, you know, if you're on your little app, you know, it's going to take you a while. I'll be done before you can swing that dude down there to 111. But this is what it says. I have inherited your testimonies forever. So part of your inheritance is all the testimonies that you find in the Bible. And all the testimonies that you know from people. You know, recently, you know, God loves to highlight what he's breathing on. And so we, um, we met this lady at Home Depot. I didn't meet her. <laughs> I don't go to Home Depot anymore. But the girls met this lady at Home Depot, and she lost a lot of family members. She lost her husband. She lost her mom and dad. And, um, long story short, um, she wanted to move to a new house. And so this house she bought really cheap, but it's really bad. It's in bad shape. And so we have been procuring as we do lots of bids and things for it. And it's, it's quite an extensive remodel, I guess you could say. But the other day... Um, a few weeks ago, the girls were in there and Shudi can tell her the story better, but I'm just going to steal it for today. But she saw that she had a bandage on her hand. And this is a little story that we sent out on a little video the other day. But what you don't know is that she cut so much off of the tip of her finger at home. She had some new knives and she cut so much of the tip of her finger off, she saved it. So... That's that's not a little tiny thing. You don't save a little sliver. Don't get grossed out. There's a miracle coming. So when she came over to see this extensive bid, and you know we were sitting there, it took us over a couple hours just to even go through it all because it was so extensive. She just flashed out her hand 
And she said, oh, by the way, the tall girl prayed for me. I told this the other day. But she said, but when the doctor took off the bandage, he said, wow, that's a miracle. And so one of the things that I also got from Bill the other day, uh, from he said miracles are expensive because they require us to change. He said, miracles that are just seen and applauded haven't had their full impact on us yet. They are supposed to change how I deal with the situations of my life. So see, that day that I sent that video out was the day that God said, this is a season of creative miracles. Taking nothing and making something out of it. And so we either, that either arrests our hearts, or we say, good job, Shooty. You're amazing, and you're anointed, and I'll think of other people you can pray for. You know, another thing that Bill was talking about, which, which, can I just meander around with you? He was talking about, just and this was what I wanted to talk about today was just our mind and the renewal process that's going on. You know, part of my job as an equipper is to highlight what is needed in our lives that keeps us from operating under the authority and anointing and power that God predestined you to operate in. That's my job. See, that's my mandate. That's my call. That's because I hear creation groaning for you to wake up. See, there's a, there's a section of flowers that can't bloom well until you know how to be a daughter and a son. There's a bird that can't sing well. See, all of creation was made to respond to humanity. It's not the other way around. And see, that's why you have to change your end-time eschatology viewpoint. Because otherwise, you'll be waiting for the wagon to come by and pluck you out of earth as opposed to making sure every environment Every person, every situation has the will of God on it. That's God's number one desire. Is that you would know Him and you would know His will and you would be able to execute His will on the earth in situations that don't have His will. Let me say it again. Your job, the reason you're on the planet is to know Him. And from the knowing Him, that you know his will. And see, here's the thing, is you have to practice that. I don't know if you heard Brian Simmons or if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. I really, I really think you should. I said really, really, really on there. But see, we're new creatures. Let's read that. Let's, I put that verse on my notes.
In 2 Corinthians 5, did you just read that? Or did you read 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to read it in a couple versions. It says, if anyone is in Christ, that is, that's been grafted in, been joined to him by faith. Remember, faith is, it's, it's, a, it's a heart interaction. It's not a mind one. And see, as that's why it says that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth flows. That's why it says the eyes of your heart. See, your heart is the eyes of the supernatural. Your heart are the eyes of the supernatural. That's why if there's anything weighty, burdening your heart... Let me say it another way. If I'm having a conversation with you, this happened yesterday, and something I say challenges you, triggers you, makes you whatever. Remember, I'm going to use Phil for a second. Remember what he said when he gave his little testimony last week was, he was sitting in service and he was feeling stubborn as he normally did. See, what happened to Phil was that he realized the pathway to see God for him was through humility. He wasn't going to get there any other way. Do you think I have never told him that? Do you think that that day, that Wednesday night, when I was talking about the religious spirit, that that was the first time he knew that? No, it was the first time he responded from his heart. See, because if my heart does not change, my eyesight of the supernatural is blinded. I am blind. And when your supernatural, spiritual, amazing heart is blind, you're also deaf. So if I'm having a conversation with you and, I, and, it, and you get triggered, then... We switch from the conversation I wanted to have with you to why you're afraid, why you're triggered, why you're name it. We're no longer, see this, this is what happens with, I just feel like this happens with God all the time. He's trying to come to you and say, you're my beloved. And you begin to list all the reasons you're not his beloved. You're no longer talking about why he wanted to tell you you were the beloved. Because he wanted to give you your next assignment. Because you finished the previous assignment. You didn't even know it. But you're triggered into something that is actually what the Bible says is leaven. Bill said this great comment. He said there's three types of leaven in the Bible. There's the leaven of the Pharisees, which I've been talking about, which is the religious spirit. There's the leaven of Herod, which is the political spirit. And there's the leaven of the kingdom. Let me read you. I'm going to go back. Don't let me forget to go back to 2 Corinthians 5. I really want to read that scripture, but I told you we were just going to bounce around. He made this statement that the political spirit doesn't mind if you believe in God. Just don't bring that belief of him into any decision-making process. And he said the religious spirit and the political spirit have 
one thing in common, they both have fear of man. But the crazy part he said was they think it's wisdom. But it's actually fear. So that's leaven. And so what he said was, when he, he gave the analogy of, you know, when you put yeast, yeast and leaven is the same as the analogy. You put yeast in bread, what's its purpose? Its purpose is to get warm or hot. And he said that fire always activates leaven. Let's restate it. There's three leavens that Jesus, two that he warned about in the Bible. This going on right now. It's going on in some of your minds right now. So that's the thing is that you're not going to be able to see with this amazing supernatural heart, see and hear when your mind has not been changed, when your mind has the leaven of the world, then when God encounters start happening in the room, there's fire. When the fire falls in the room, in the way, or in small group, or in fire hubs, I mean, I hope eventually our fire hubs turn into fire hubs, but anyway, that's an... No, it's another story. No, it's another story. I call them fire hubs for a reason. But anyway, um, <laughs> right now we're in discussion hubs, but it's okay. <laughs> eventually, eventually we'll want to do fire hubs. But let's don't go there. What was I saying? So when fire falls, when heat, it reveals what's actually planted in your mind. And that's why when you don't choose to actually take the thing out of your mind and look at it and see, is this, what kind of leaven is this? Because see, that thought that you have in your mind, and it's usually what you think you deserve. Let's be honest. It's usually something that's been manipulated in your head. If I don't take that thought, think of it as a ball. <laughs> and this ball bounces around. You can throw it around. You can throw it to other people. That's what we do sometimes here. I want to throw you my ball of need. You see, if I don't take that and I don't allow the Holy Spirit to dissect it. And see, the thing of it is, in the moment it's dissected, it either promotes kingdom or it's leaven of the world they're both leaven they're all leaven so it's either leaven of the world or leaven of the kingdom so when the fire falls then it actually reveals what's actually planted in your heart so when if you're in a relationship and trouble comes disagreement comes that's fire and that fire reveals what's actually in your heart. You can say, I want to be good. I mean, it's the perfect example is if you have a ministry hub and you have people living there. There's fire falling all the time. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, this is, this, is, uh, this is a leaven that constantly gets worked out in Lynn where this thing over here looks a certain, well, why are they doing that? Well, why do they do that? And I was like, well, just that's what people do. People just do that. 
And see what happened? That's fire. So when the fire falls, relationally, it reveals what's really in her heart. And see, if you don't know how to take that and measure that against the plumb line, the standard of what? Love. The sta- listen, listen, the standard is love. Anything that you're trying to extract from someone else is not love, it's manipulation. Don't put any L-O-V-E word on that. Love seeks not its own. I mean, if you don't understand anything about love, you have a whole chapter. It's not just pluck one little thing out of 1 Corinthians 13 and say, well, I am, I don't even know. I do my own laundry, something like that. Therefore, I'm love. I go to work. Feed my family. Therefore, I am love. That is not love. That's duty. That's stewardship. That is you eat, you buy. You go earn some money to buy it with. That, see, we get it all mixed up because it's leaven. Do you understand? It's leaven. It's of a different system. The kingdom system starts out with your will be done. Not mine. Your will be done. Not mine. Your will be done. That's how the kingdom leaven works. So when fire falls on a heart that says, I am completely surrendered. I am completely yielded. Not my own, but yours. When fire falls on that, the anointing comes out of that leaven. And then you can have a creative miracle because the burning bush was her hand was wrapped. And I turned aside to see if you asked her. That's what she said. I turned aside and I see and the fire of God hit her. And she said to that woman, you are not going to have a finger missing. And she didn't. See, because the fire fell. And so what was planted in her heart was revealed through what she said. She didn't say, oh, I was, telling, I was telling the worship team the other day, don't be doing this thing where you're like, oh, God, I hope God does something so we can be known as God doing stuff around here. No. That's leaven of the world. That's the religious spirit. No, it's because he's so loved. He so loved this woman that does not know him, I promise you. She didn't even know what to call the thing. She just had to quote the doctor. She has no context that we've been crying out and crying out for God to do something through us. She has no context for that. Your will, not mine. Right in the middle of Home Depot, other people around. Your will. I've died to my will. It ain't a thing. I can tell you it is not a thing for Shooty to pray for someone anywhere, anytime. Did it, was it that way the first day I met her? No. I know day after day we'd be sitting in a restaurant and I would say to her, she didn't know it, but I would say to her, you're going to give the waitress a word. She's like, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. No, you're going to. You're going to. Time after time after time after time after time after time. You got a word for her? Get a word for her? See, because not your will. 
Not my, not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will. I knew I got that backwards. And so, interesting enough, he also said that fear, since the political spirit and religious spirit both operate this, fear always attracts whatever information is needed to legitimize its existence. So that's a good way to think if you go to work and you love to gossip, you love to judge. You stay there a month and there'll be other judges that have joined up with you. And you could be sitting there saying, I don't want to judge. You could be home repenting because it's leaven. See, fear always reinforces itself. That's why the Bible doesn't give us a 10-step program to remove fear. Perfect love casts out fear. It's the encounter with perfect love. I can only encounter perfect love with this. With this supernatural, amazing, spiritual heart that has eyes and ears. I can't encounter it with my head. And see, you know whether you've encountered love. By what comes out of your mouth. Because out of this amazing, supernatural, all-powerful heart that has eyes and ears, whatever it thinks, when the fire falls, it says. That should just be a little blackboard for you. You should just write the words that your heart's saying, and you should say, Holy Spirit, not my will. But yours, that is not your will. That does not look like kingdom. I don't want that in my head anymore. So I will take that. Let's go to our scripture now, shall we? See, it was a good setup for you. If anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. Listen. Okay, I'm probably not going to give her a but Listen. When we accept Jesus as Savior, we become an entire new creation. I don't know how to use any of these creation digits. I had an old natural mind. It's one of the digits I have. And man, it's got some stinking thinking in there. And say, my job... As a new creation. Because I wanted it. Did you want it? Okay. My job as you chose it. No one held a gun to your head. Right? Somehow, randomly, probably all on your own, you were convinced you needed a savior. You just right? Just one day was like, man, I just need a savior. Do you remember that day? No, he wooed you. In the middle of the night, you dream things you don't even remember. Because he's a wooer. He made things that were stupid decisions by you not work out in favor of you. And you didn't even know it. Amy Grant said a reckless car ran out of gas before it ran my way. Near misses all around me. Accidents unknown. Why? That was all happening. You didn't even know it. Someone had to put some words to that. We all went, right. Back in the 80s, we're being protected. 
by angels. That was a revelation for us. We thought we were all on our own. Just skim into heaven. Just see if you can slide in. I know I was saying something else right there. He's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. And the old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition. See, we get all hung up. If I use the word moral, we all go to sex stuff. Let's stop doing that. Morality has a whole nother concept. So that means that my worldly thinking, how I make money, the kind of job, what I do at the job, what a job is even for, how I interact with people who are in authority, when you pass the police, were you speeding? When you were speeding, did you slow down? That's morality. When you're late because you didn't get up on time and you're breaking laws, that's, it's just not sexual stuff. But the previous moral condition and the previous spiritual condition are gone. That means you had both of those. You had a belief system. This is where we get all of our belief systems. What we think men and women's roles are. What we think employers' roles are. That's why you've got some people who want to be on food stamps. Because they think the government should pay for them. Because the, it's, that's not going on all over the whole world. See, these are conditions you came with. How a husband treats a wife, how what a wife does, you know, what who can be in leadership, who cannot be in leadership, who can what kind of church it can be like, what kind of what do they do with your money if you give? I mean, it's all this came with you came with this. And so his intention was you come to Jesus because you needed a whole bunch of new stuff. All your parts needed to be exchanged. And so that from his perspective, all of that old stuff is gone. See, wouldn't it have been better in church if we were, had been raised like this? When people come to Jesus, everything that they did before is poof gone. They're not going to think that same way anymore. But see, what we've done is we tried to make Christianity fit inside our belief. We didn't change our belief to meet up with the standard of Jesus. And so then the religious spirit or the political spirit, it had room to expand in Christianity. So the fire never fell. The fire never fell. So there was never any leaven revealed. We all had non-bread from then on. And we were okay with non-bread. We said, okay. Do you, listen, have you ever met, had homemade bread? Who in here has had homemade bread? Good homemade bread. Lynn's homemade bread. Well, I can go get that flatbread pizza at BJ's. That is not Lynn's homemade bread. 
That has, that, there has been no rising done on that cracker. <laughs> Lower in calorie. Currently on the low calorie meal right now. Lower in calorie, but it doesn't taste like homemade bread. I don't even want to put butter on it. It's like a cracker. That's what happened. Is that our Christianity became so distasteful to the world. It was like eating a cracker. When the world looked like it was offering this big old loaf of delicious bread. So the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. And I love this. Behold. No, you understand. It's wanting you to look at something. Behold. Look. New things have come because of the spiritual awakening that happened. That spiritual awakening brings new life. And so, see, that should be the compulsion within us, the motivator within us to measure everything I used to think. Pam did this the best I know. She just said, she realized one day, and it was funny because she was offered something that she wanted. (laughs) No, y'all didn't get that. And so she laid aside something she really wanted because she preferred the anointing over position. She had to lay aside the old thing. And the Passionist says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, I've talked about this so many times. Enfolding is something's here and we, we fold it over to where what is completely encapsulated. Look. There's me. I'm inside there. Right there. I'm enfolded. Who is this? Who's this? This is Jesus. Jesus is wrapped around. He's the wrap around presence. That's why it's so imperative that this thinks about the wrap around presence the way that the wrap around presence wants us to think. See, anything in here that has anything on it besides love. See, because my love for, because I'm first loved, that's the only way I know how to love. Because of my love for him, I want to say your will, not my will, because his will makes everything possible. It's the identity giver. It's the destiny maker. It's the creator. It's the provider. It's everything. The Savior, the healer, we need to go through all of God's names. That's what you're saying, not my will to is all the little stuff that you could think of. And so then, as we begin to do that, the process of doing that illuminates to us how we have thinking that isn't renewed. And you can just put it in these three categories. If you do not have renewed kingdom thinking, you operate in the leaven of either the religious spirit or the political spirit. It just falls into those. There's no other, there's not a third category. And that's an idol against him being Lord. Because you're hanging on to something that you believe. And like I said earlier, it's usually something you think somebody should do for you. Either a spouse or an employer or a child. 
You know, when we have children, the moms, y'all got to sever the tie that they owe you. It's so hard. You think about everything you did, everything you sacrificed, everything. You start you got all your stuff on a chart. See, the thing you have to understand that when you have a loss, then God has a vengeance. God's the repayment plan. That should prove to you who he is because you're waiting on the repayment plan. Anyway, that's fine. Still in, we're still in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I love this because it says this would include our old identity. So this is the hardest part I've noticed with people. Is that they got a little taste of something that somebody told them they were something. You know, it happened for me in high school. I was the top player in the state of Oklahoma. On the daily, in, in the Daily Oklahoman, everybody knew Teresa was the number one player in the state of Oklahoma. That was, a, that was a thing. So when I went back to school, that's what I was known for. Oh, you're the one. I didn't even want to be known for that. I didn't even like basketball. I didn't even want to be known for that. But see, when you make the paper... You have an identity. And see, can I tell you, if I was to see anybody from my old basketball team, that would still be my identity. I have not seen them since. They wouldn't know anything. This is what happens to y'all. Y'all have this extreme encounter with God where he flips you inside out. He delivers all this stuff. And you still want to go back to the old people that know you in the old way. And you want to get them to validate who you are now. And they have no capability to do that because all they can remember you by is that scared little girl. That selfish little boy. Whatever. And they earmark you. And we remember it. This didn't get changed. See, can I tell you, to be able to walk in the power and anointing of God, you have got to have an inner dialogue that's louder than the old inner dialogue. And it's got to be made new. The inner dialogue, it does, there is not going to be a person out there that can confirm it or approve it. And if your inner dialogue about who he says you are and why you are on the planet is not louder than every single other voice, then you will never do it. And that's why everything in God has to be done from the inside out. That's why if you are only doing something to get people to say, wow, you're awesome, wow, you did amazing, wow, what a breakthrough, wow, you did it, wow, you see, wow, your gift is so awesome, wow, look at your gift, look at, wow, you're such a good employee, wow, you know, man, let me, oh man, tell me something you know, you're you're never going to get there, because you don't know it in here. 
and you're relying on people. And so criticism and praise, you won't remember the praise. You only remember the criticism. So he said, this is including our old identity, our old life of sin. Sorry. See, that's why it's so important. That's why I'm spending this whole year on your identity or destiny or whatever word you, your assignment, however many ways. Because the thing of it is, if you don't know it and you don't see yourself doing it, you're never going to do it. And see, what we do is we get stuck in the past. If all I walked around with was, well, I was a really amazing basketball player. I set 20 state records. I played in the big arena downtown. I, was, I made the program. I was female athlete of the year. If, I, if that's all that I... Do you not see people stuck there? We're so stuck in an identity of the past that has nothing to do with our recreated self. And we want to keep reviving that. So you see dads who didn't make it as a baseball player or football player or some other player. And... They're wanting to make their son be what they weren't. So they breathe on it all the time. I've got one going on in my family right now. They breathe on it all the time, trying to make a little computer nerd into a football player. It just doesn't work. They're breathing on it. They're breathing on them, their identity that was lost to them. And when you're in authority, it's a dangerous thing because you have power. Listen to me, parents. You have power, and so you're breathing on your child the thing you weren't, and it's not a way to parent. And so that died too. Our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished we are made completely new by our union and the indwelling of the holy spirit a brand new order has arrived and see when you don't know you're working from that perspective so see this is how it should work i am something new when i have a thing come out of my mouth that doesn't look new that doesn't fit with my new man I should have people around my life that says, that's not new. That's not new. That's your old man. You should have people positioned in your life that say, that's not new. And if you want to achieve your destiny, that is required. That is a kingdom requirement because in kingdom Nobody wants leaven to live that's of the world. And it shows up with fear. Let me, let me, I'll use Lynn. Lynn's called and anointed to be an administrator, to be amazing with finances, but he's always scaring her. Oh gosh, the, you know, Cash App messed up all of One Life's deposits for the last three years and she can't get anybody to help her with it. And oh my gosh, she's going to owe $500,000, which is exactly what happened to Carol. And so it's a test. Cash App messed up and she can't get them to fix it, even though the IRS said Cash App messes up all the time. See, it's a t do you see it's a test? So what she could do is she could get scared and she could say, I'm not going to do anything with money ever again. That's what Carol did. 
That's what Carol did. So I'm talking to her yesterday. I'm like, hey, here's my plan. Here's my thoughts. I'm talking about the future. I'm talking about this is what God's telling me. And what happens is junior fear is in the room, and I'm unaware. And so when I start talking to her, her verbiage back to me reveals junior fear is still hanging out. And I said, hey, junior fear, I called it something else, junior fear is is in the room right now. We're having a conversation, and I don't want to talk to junior fear. I, re- I tell her, I refuse to talk to fear. And so, like I said at the beginning, we're no longer talking about the conversation of vision. This is happening for all of y'all, I'm just telling you. I'm just, so we switch now, and we're just talking about the conversation, conversation that was created by Carol. And see, that's what happens to all of y'all. And so then you're not actually carrying on the visionary conversation for your life. You're actually just made everybody step away from that to address. And I want to clearly address the fear. But I mean, the point of it is, this has been asked and answered, asked and answered. Why is Junior Phil still hanging out? Because that part of her mind is about to be used for something magnificent. And if we don't get rid of that right now, this next step is going to not be successful. See, that's what you have to understand about God. He ain't mad that junior fear is hanging out. But if you want to hang on to junior fear more than you want to grasp the vision of the future and your destiny, you can't do both. Hear me, you cannot do both. And so you have to understand he will set up a circumstance. For you to have to address junior fear. So you will have to renounce again at a new level, in a new place. I will not partner with that again. Now she doesn't have to reveal it. Of course, I can hear it. I can smell fear a mile away. She's like Calandra and she brings those eggs on Sunday morning. She just pulls them out. I'm, I'm just, I'm worshiping back there. And she didn't even have to open the lid to those nastify things. She just takes them out of the bag and the aroma. That, I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, I can do this. Like this aroma, that's what fear smells like to me. You need to get a repugnant attitude towards fear and manipulation. And you need to say, don't be bringing... I, you maybe hadn't taken that lid off yet. But I can smell that you're bringing that manipulation up here to me. See, we do it in all these crazy ways. See, I have people all the time tell me, hey, what does this mean? This happened to me this week twice. Hey, what does this mean? And I'm like, well, it means blank. Oh, well, I have a pain there. Okay, well, that's you just set me up. That was manipulation because you're, you can't do that. You can't say, hey, I'm, I'm, acting like, I'm, I'm, I'm acting like my gift is, alarm is going off. And, and, and then you're really asking me to give you a metaphor, spiritual example. That's not right. You, got to, you can't do that. But see, that's the highlights. See, right now, the people that did that to me, they're hearing this. That's the highlight to say, you can't do that. 
You just set me up. You made me think you want me to help you pray and intercede about something, but you really just wanted compassion for your injury. Just say it. Just say I'm hurt. I need a Band-Aid. <laughs> I'm just helping you. Listen, listen. These gifts of the Holy Spirit are so valuable. You know, I love, Bill, it just reminds me of something else he said. Let me read that to you. He said that, Once you have had supernatural supply, you do not have permission to start with a lack perspective in any area. He said, any thought process that begins with what we don't have will have to be repented of because you can't build anything substantial on that thought. It's a poor foundation for human reasoning. Listen, do you hear what he's saying? You cannot start a conversation with lack. You can't start a conversation with manipulation. You can't say, listen, if you don't address this, I'm telling you, it, the, the leaven of that spirit runs rapid through every thought process in your life. There's nothing that escapes it. And so, therefore, your mind is totally chaotic, encapsulated in the chaos of leaven of a demonic spirit, and so you don't have the mind of Christ. You're working a situation to see how you can get the benefit for yourself. And so that's not the mind of Christ, right? And so you can't say His will, not my will, because your will is so big. It's like the only thing you can think of. And that's leaven. I love this. He says, leaven represents values. He said, if it's leaven that's not of the kingdom, he says, the values of the enemy or the leaven of the enemy will persuade you to believe outside the reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the greater reality. Depending on how much leaven, this is just the indicator that you have that is not kingdom thinking. When the heat's applied, then that leaven makes you see circumstances, the natural. That's what it's trying to make you look at. It's trying to make you look at, yeah, my kid, they don't go to church no more. That's the natural level. And that leaven will make you make decisions based on your fear not on kingdom reality. Kingdom reality is, is that I'm bringing heaven down. So I've got to know what's going on in heaven to be disgusted with what's going on down here that doesn't look like him. So I will learn. See, the disgust of what's going on either makes you learn you've got to do something different. You adjust. You adjust your prayers. Remember when you first started hearing God, you just started praying for rent and stuff, remember? Yeah. Oh, God, I hope you know, God. Let me just tell you, I haven't had a new pair of shoes in a long time, God. I just didn't know if you knew. I need some money. I need some rent money. I, you know, I just, I just been eating a dollar pizzas for a year. You know, you start telling him stuff he already knows. 
And see, if we could ever hear God's answer, God's answer is steward the little things first. And then you get greater things. You're never going to change God's mind on that. You're never going to change. If you can't clean up the toilet seat when you use it, that's a really low-level stewardship. If you can't put the toilet paper roll on, come on, if you can't wash out a bowl, that is so low-level stewardship. That means you're in me planet. There's no one here but me. And this wasn't convenient for me right now. Or if the dog poops on the floor and you're like, oh, I hope somebody else gets that. It's happening all the time. You stir the little things. Then you'll be ruler of big things. But see, if you're manipulating people on the little things, you change the toilet paper roll and you go tell everybody, hey, I changed the toilet. I'm like thinking, man, do not do that to me. We will have a conversation. No, do not. See, you have to understand, your stewardship is not to be accoladed. Just because you went to work, don't call me and tell me you went to work. You're eating, aren't you? You're making, it just makes no sense to me. Don't, don't, don't magnify something that is just a basic responsibility of life. Did you shave? Great. Did you wash your hair? Great. I don't want to know. See, our stewardship starts with the little things. You're not going to... God's desire is for us to advance into all greater reality. Use our, use, the goal is that we, He wants us to use His authority. In His name. He's looking for people who can stir the authority of the Creator of the universe. And with that authority, I can do anything. I can ask anything. Because I won't be asking him to help me clean the toilet. I will have done that. It'll be a habit. It'll be a no-brainer. I love this. He said, Bill also said that since God desires for us to live from his reality. You heard Christy, didn't you say history was really his story? It's a spelling thing. I don't know if you got that. H-I-S, and then you switch it over, and there's the stories. Did you get that? History is really his story. So we started out with saying, my inheritance, right, is God's testimonies. What did God do in the Bible? He turned water into wine. He healed the sick. What has he done in one life? You know, just think about it. when someone gets set free, even in this room, it wasn't the first time they heard that truth. I said it a while ago. It's the first time their heart chose to respond, not their head that knew they should, that knew somebody was watching. See, that's the difference. If it's here, then what comes out of here will reveal it. Oh, you have no idea what we're talking about. You have not spent time on your face. You have no idea what it means to cultivate intimacy. So worship looks weird. You're like, when are we going to be done with this? That's why churches don't have a long worship service. 
They're not trying to purify the bride. They're not bringing a purity. They're doing an entertainment of some fast songs or whatever they've decided. And I'm just doing a blanket statement. But, but see, the difference is your motive is different. My motive is to give the Holy Spirit opportunity to be the, the director of the room to what? To exalt the Lamb in whatever form that He wants. So if somebody is doing that on stage and they have performance in their mind, it will show up. Right then, we were in our heads. I talk to them about it all the time. I say, okay, we've got to adjust this and we've got to adjust this. However, if you're on stage and you're thinking about what I said to adjust, you're not thinking about the Holy Spirit. You're in your head. And see, being led by the Holy Spirit means I actually, the goal ultimately is that you will not be in your head at all. Because he's the most trustworthy leader. So the goal is I am not going to be in my head at work because the Holy Spirit is going to lead me. I'm going to, he's just like Cheryl decided that day, I'm going to start learning everybody's name. Cheryl didn't say, I'm going to learn everybody's name so they'll promote me and I'll be cool. She said, I want to give value to people. And value to people in my current standing is I can know your name. She, I can tell you, her heart is so pure, she had no idea they are going to be like, promote, 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 raise, 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 raise. Now she has to steward, oh my gosh, I've got so much favor. Now she's stewarding a whole abundance of favor. Why? Because every day she chooses to do something different at work than she used to do. And how did she learn that? She came to a place that said, listen, you are there to steward something. You're not there to get a paycheck. And she believed it. She didn't try to find the lowest level job she possibly could that could just barely pay the rent. She said, where can I go and transform an entire place? She's got people bringing her cakes and all kinds of stuff. See, one of the things you have to remember about God, I'm almost done. We're just meandering around. I don't even know what we're really talking about today. Maybe 11. But in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know that everybody knows that scripture. But see, here's what God really said. Let's, let's, let's go there, shall we? I don't even think I have it pulled up. I was just going to talk about it. Hold on, let me pull it up. Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody knows it, right? Yeah. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being. Not to give you disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. Now, that word peace, of course, in the Hebrew is shalom, right? Yeah. So let me just tell you, I've read this to you before, but I'm going to bring out a different point. It means completeness. So God's saying, I know the plans. He didn't say, you know the plans. He said, I know the plans. That alone should tell me one thing. That if I want to know the plans, I better get to know the one that has the plans. You know, when we do remodeling, I've got the plan. I can see it. 
before we ever take down a wall or paint a wall. It, the whole entire remodel and what it's going to look like flashes before my eyes in a picture. But see, when I try to describe <laughs> to someone what I see, if they can't see, I don't have any idea what they are formulating in their imagination. Because when I'm describing it, I think they're formulating what I see. And of course, I've learned after 30 years, they clearly are not. But do you, do you, are you with me? See, we do this to God. We don't get to know him. We're not intimate with him. But we want, so when he says to us, here's a prophetic word, we think he's thinking what we're thinking. So this happened recently. I'm not going to say who it was, but I gave somebody a prophetic word and they came to me and they said, this is what I think. And I said to them, that's not what he thinks. That's just what you thought when you heard me say, what I said, he said. Are you with me? So see, if I'm not intimate with him, and especially if I'm not being mentored, you just understand this. You're living so small. Because you're only thinking about what you could think. And where did you get that from your past? So see, you're thinking about what you can be Based on just a little better, probably, than what you used to think that you were going to be. And he's like, listen, I'm about to blow you out of the water. Because, see, there's nothing, there is nothing compared to being anointed. Nothing. I would rather be anointed and be little. Than be a big shot and have no power. I'd rather be a gatekeeper. I'd rather just to get the experience today when she hit that moment. Man, I know when she's in that moment. We've been talking about it a lot lately. See, it's just like yesterday. I'm going to pick on you. See, I, we were talking about worship. So she said, well, I'm afraid that you're going to think. And she rattled off something. I don't even remember what it was now. And I said, well, you've got to repent of that right now. Because number one. I don't think like that, but it's not about me. You're, if you're in your head, I said, here, I said, and I repeated to her what I actually think. I said, I actually think that's your job. Being the worship leader is your job. And so that means he would tell you, that's all I think. That's all I think. If you fall down and go boom, I'll, I'll cover you. But all I think is that's your job and he will tell you. And if you have anything else in your mind, you have to repent because you will find a way to make it look like I think that. Yes. Yes. I'm just trying to help you. And see, that's what happens is that whenever God arrests you from that pit that you're in, even if you thought you were good, He really has something so much greater and He knows the plans and His plan is for completeness. His plan is to make everything in you make sense. His plan is to anoint everything in you that you have said, Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Your will, 
plans already. And I love the verse that's following. It says, it says, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice and I will listen to you. Then with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as your vital necessity. And when you find me, when you search for me, you will search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. That's what God's promise is. These plans he has for you is you find him. You find God for you. You, you can't find God for me. I can't find God. I would. I would find God for all of you if I could. But you have to find him for you. And in finding him, you find you. Come on, Mendel. Such a good word. Thank you, Tisa. Wow, you know, it occurred to me that, um, just to bring this all back around to how we started the service, in um, the verse that she was reading from, 2 Corinthians 5, um, 17, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And she said it, but that footnote there on verse 517 still is, um, or behold, a new order has come. And that jumped out at me because if you remember, when I was reading to you what the word logos meant in the Greek, we started off with the living expression, right? That the Greek for that, for the living expression or wor the word is logos, the Greeks equated logos with the highest principle of cosmic order. Wow. So the highest principle of cosmic order wow. is who Jesus Christ is. And here we find out that when we it enfolded into Christ, all that was related to the old order has vanished. And now we have a new order. A new order has come. And that's what, if you listen to that Brian Simmons video, you know, he was saying that when we are born again and we become Christians, that our DNA is actually remade. And that's that picture of a new order. A new order, you know, DNA drives what you are, what you're, who you are, what you, what you physically are. And so a new order has come and Jesus Christ is the new order and he's within us. And that's what Brian Simmons was saying is that revelation was about the Christ being revealed to Jesus, realizing who he was. And now it's the revelation of who he is in us. And so we are this process that Tisa was um, talking about today was basically us identifying what's already within us. What's the new DNA and having to make that choice. And it even occurs to me that in the natural, you know, this is symbolic of what happens in the natural. If you've ever heard of people being genetically predisposed to certain medical conditions, you know, I used to work in the medical field with a group of patients and there, they didn't really understand this particular disease, but they knew there was a genetic predisposition. So two different people could be exposed to the same triggering type event and only one of them might be launched into this particular disease. They were genetically predisposed. So that's what she's saying about when the fire approaches the leaven, something rises up. 
And that's what happens in the physical realm also. When certain things happen in the right particular order, the right combination of events, and our DNA expresses itself in that moment. And so it's just a physical and uh, representation in the natural of what she's talking about. And so, but but this process that the Holy Spirit helps us with, with the renewing of our mind is that we, we get to see those things come up in us and then just choose to lay it down and have and replace it. Choose to say, I want to let, let, lay that way down and I want you to express with your fire, the fire of God to express the, the true DNA, my new DNA. And so then we get to, I stumbled across this verse too, um, I accidentally went to first John one instead of John one and which is also about the living expression. And so we get to this point where we, um, in first John one, it says we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. The one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. And so that's what to me is like this whole service is an expression of Jesus from the beginning of time in this in this image that I shared with you. He he spread his arms wide so that God could be known. The very heart of God could be known. Nothing left hidden. And he said, I will impress myself upon you. I will impress myself even on your physical body, on your DNA, on the very matter of time and space. And so that we could do this, so that we could eventually say we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. The one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. Now, John was referring to actually walking with Jesus while he was on the earth. But we have the opportunity to know him in us right now. And we get to say that very same thing when we allow that expression of him to come to the surface in us. And then we are the ones who get to proclaim what we have seen and heard about this life giver, which is verse three. So, Papa, we just want to say thank you. Thank you. That it was your heart from the beginning of time for us to know you up close and personally and that you have made it possible for us to know you even now in this way where we know you within ourselves, where we see you within us and we get to choose with our will to choose to partner with you with that renewing of our minds so that we operate with the leaven of the kingdom of God and the very kingdom of God gets to be expressed through us. And we get to say that we've seen you, we've touched you, we've heard you, we've smelt of you, and we spread the very aroma of you around, just like Shudi shared in our worship time this morning. So we just thank you for making yourself completely vulnerable to us so that at this point in time, at this point in history, that we, the people you chose to be alive at this point in time, could know you in a brand new way and become living expressions of your heart ourselves. And so we spread our arms wide to you today and we say, Holy Spirit, highlight anything you need to highlight in us. Help us know when some 11 from some other system gets highlighted. So we just thank you, Holy Spirit. And we say, you reign, you reign and rule. 
And we just release the anointing of Jesus Christ throughout this building right now. And we say it flows through every single person that comes in contact with it. The minute someone touches their hand on this door or steps into this place, they are flooded with the atmosphere of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that can stand above that. There is no one no one that reigns above Jesus Christ. And so we just declare that you rule and reign in this place. You rule and reign in this place. And everybody who comes into contact with your anointing, with your presence, receives freedom. So we speak freedom over every single person coming into contact with this place. We say freedom exudes from every single one of us. We say that we are the very living expressions of Jesus Christ in operation on this earth right now. And it is for such a time as this that we walk and we operate in our authority. And we say, Jesus, you reign. You rule and reign. Thank you for expressing yourself through us today. Thank you for expressing yourself through us. We just say thank you for the privilege of being your living expression. Thank you for the day that since the moment that you created time and space in the universe, you saw this moment in this day and you said that our arms would be spread wide to express you. So we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We glorify your name. We exalt you and we say you rule and reign in this place. We glorify you. We glorify you. We bring you glory and honor and praise. We say you rule. There is no one. You have full dominion in this place. You rule and reign. And we join in with the choir of angels in heaven and the heavenly and all the heavens and on earth. And we say we will exalt you. We all honor, all worth, all praise goes to you. All dominion goes to you, Jesus. You are the lamb worthy on the throne. You are the worthy lamb on the throne. And we exalt you in this place. We just exalt you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.